I want to I want to share a message with you this morning called "Run to the Raw." Everybody say, "Run to the Raw." Run to the Raw. Have you ever had a situation in your life, a circumstance, where it was incredibly frightening, but then a split second later, it was incredibly awesome? You you, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, for me, it was one occasion that I can think of was when I bungee jumped. Because as I'm running to the edge to go off the edge, which I just kind of fell off, I got, as I got closer to the edge, my brain just said to me, idiot, stop. So it's an incredibly frightening experience. But because of the momentum, you know, when you get, when you get this muscle mass at speed, it can't stop in that split second of terrifying fear. But once the fear left in about a second, and I'm, I've managed to grab hold of the bungee cord and feel safe again. And then it was like, this is awesome. Has anybody ever had an experience like that where it was like incredibly frightening one minute and incredibly awesome the next minute? Or maybe you've been, I had this happen to me once. I used to drive around a lot in my, my job before I became the pastor here. And, and um, I had a little bit of gravel on the corner, you know, and the car started doing this, you know. And, and you're freaking out while that's happening at 110 kilometers an hour. But then when it comes right, it's like, that was awesome. Has anybody had that experience? So I had another one of those experiences once when we'd gone on a bit of a family getaway down to Rotorua. We went to the Lion Park down there in Rotorua and, um, and you know, got to pet a, um, not a full-on lion, but a cub. Because a full-on lion might have killed me. Um, and got to do all that. And, and we were there at feeding time, which is just the best time to be there because that's when the lions get a little bit grumpy and, you know, they're a little bit hangry and stuff like that. And, and there's a fence, big fence between you and them, so you feel completely secure. The, the only problem is, is I'm standing there feeling completely secure because there's a fence there and there's this big, you know, 300 kg lion standing there. And it looked at me and... And I had this moment of like, no, I'm not afraid of you. There's a fence between us. So I looked back at him, you know, being a man, come on, bring it, bring it. One ounce, bro, come on, bring it. And, uh, and then it just let rip with a roar from about two or three meters away from me. Do you know that that roar actually reverberated through my body? I could feel it in my body. And even though there was a fence between us, I was like, I'm out of here. Like, like there's no way it could have got at me. But I, I just didn't believe that the power that was in the roar of that lion where it actually reverberated through my body. It was frightening, but as soon as it was over, it was like, that was awesome. Have you ever had one of those moments in the Bible there's a story about a guy called Benaniah, and it's in 2 Samuel 23, verse 20. Benaniah was one of David's mighty men, and it says this about Benaniah. It says, There was also Benaniah, son of Jehodiah, a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab, so they're like giants. And listen to this. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased the lion down into a pit and he killed it. He chased a lion. Like the things in the pit just 
let it stay there. Like, it's not affecting you. I mean, it's one thing to chase a lion, but there's another thing for it to fall into a pit, and so you decide, I just might climb on down into it with him. It's snowing, so let's think about how slippery that could be right now. And, and Ben and I is like, it's in the pit, it's not going to kill anybody, but I know what I'll do. I think I'll go down into the pit and kill it. That'll be cool. I mean, this guy is insane, isn't he? It's like, just the fact that he chased the lion, I don't know about you, but you, you might have one of those moments where you're like, you know what? And then as you're chasing it, you think to yourself, this is not smart. Yeah? All, I don't know about you, I don't think I'd ever chase it. I'd just run for my life. But Benaniah, he's chasing the lion. He didn't let fear dictate his decision. Benaniah didn't allow fear to dictate what he decided that he was going to do. And he was going to chase the lion. He made one of the most courageous decisions in all of the Bible, I think. He made an incredibly courageous decision to chase the lion down into the pit on a snowy day and kill it. And that day, that one moment of courageousness on Ben and I's behalf actually redefined every other day of his life from that time on. Ben and I ended up becoming Dave, King David's personal bodyguard because of his acts, because of his deeds, because of his moment of courageousness. It transformed every single day of his life from that day onwards. Just like when David killed Goliath, it transformed David's life from that point on. That's when they started singing the songs about Goliath, about Saul killing his thousands and David ten thousands. That one day defined, that one moment of courage in the face of fear defined their lives. And when you, I don't know about you, but if you can chase a lion into a snowy pit, into a pit on a snowy day and kill it, I don't think there's really much else to get you scared about. I don't know about you, but if I, if I got up here, here this morning, I said, you know what, a wee while ago I was in Africa and I chased a lion and down into a pit and I killed it, um, you wouldn't really intimidate me very much. It's not a lot that intimidates you after you've done that kind of thing, yeah? It's like, you know, I think I'm awesome when I kill the spiders in the bedroom, so, you know. The crazy thing is, is we read that, and it is a miracle. We read that in Scripture about Ben and I, and what we do is we tend to take these miracles we read in Scripture for granted because we know the outcomes, yeah? We know the outcome because we've read the story. But these guys, when they make these decisions, they have no idea what the outcome is going to be. Ben and I did not know what the final outcome of chasing this lion would be. This story could have ended really badly for him. When you're chasing a 300 kg lion down into a pit on a snowy day, it could have ended really, really badly for him. And it doesn't seem like a smart thing to do. He could have been killed, but I want to say this this morning is that rather go out in that kind of style than some other style. I'd rather go out pursuing lions than going out timid and afraid in the corner. I'm not saying that we should be careless. I'm just saying that you and I are born for greatness and greatness chases lions. 
And some of us, we've got lions that we need to start to chase in our worlds that we've backed off because of the roar. And the thing is, is this is that half of faith, half of the challenge of faith is, is learning what we don't know. I don't know about you, but every time I step out in faith and do something that I feel that God wants me to do, I discover a whole lot of things that I didn't know. Anybody ha- ever had an experience or a moment where you stepped out in faith and did something because you really felt like God wanted you to do it, and then you learn a whole lot of stuff that you didn't know about God? I think that's a great thing about Him as He calls us to take a step of faith or to step out, and He reveals another side of Him that we've never seen before. And we learn a whole lot of things that, that we didn't know before, and the other half of faith, so one half of faith is learning all these things that we didn't know, and the other half of faith is unlearning all the irrational fears and false assumptions that we have carried into our world. It's, it's half learning things that we don't know and half unlearning all the things that we've been taught. You know that psychologists tell us in studies that you and I are only born with two fears. We come into this world with two fears. The first one is this, a fear of falling down. Is there anybody here that's willing enough to admit that you have this ability in your world to trip over air? We all have that fear of falling down, yes? I don't know about, you know, you know when your kids play sport and, and you've got to go and watch a soccer game, but you've got to go down the grassy hill when it's winter and it's wet. What, what's the process that we take, mums and dads? Your whole thought process is, I want to get down this hill and I do not want to fall. Why? Because you'll look stupid. No, no, you're born with a fear of falling, and you know the other thing that you're born with? You're born with a fear of loud noises. And you think about babies, what's the two things that freak them out? Falling over, and if you go, ah, in the ears. I don't recommend it. But you're born with two fears. This is what psychologists over all the years have proved is that you're born with two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises, which means that every other fear that you have has been learnt. And if a fear has been learnt, then a fear can be unlearned. Come on. If a fear can be learnt, then a fear can be unlearnt, which means that we can unlearn the fears that we have brought into our world, the insecurities from our childhood and the fears from the life that we've lived, those are things that we have learned and we can unlearn them. And faith, when God calls us to step out in faith, faith is the process that God uses to unlearn our fears, to unlearn our insecurities, to unlearn those things. Why? Because 1 John 4.18 says this, that perfect love casts out fear. And if perfect love is Jesus, then Jesus' role in our world is to remove the fears that we have learnt and just get back to what he created us to have, which is two fears, falling over and loud noises. If perfect love casts out all fear, then let me say this to you this morning, that the opposite of love is not hate. Otherwise, the scriptures say, perfect love casts out hate. The opposite of love is fear. Fearful that we're not going to be loved. Fearful that we won't be accepted. Fearful that nobody will care for us. 
the way that we feel, fearful that I'm going to be left alone, fearful, what is that? That's a fear of not being loved. The opposite of love is not hate, the opposite of love is fear, because perfect love creates fearlessness. And the reason why it creates fearlessness is because when we know that God perfectly loves us, as Romans says, nothing separates us from the love of God, then all of a sudden we don't fear when we step out. We don't fear that we may fail because we know that the perfect love, which is Jesus, not only will he pick us up when we do fall, but he will put us back together again. And so what it does is it causes me not to have fear of what it is that I feel that God's calling me to do, to not have fear to deal with some of the insecurities and the issues that are going on in my world because I understand this, that perfect love, which is Him, God is love, it's not something He does, it's who He is, and so God casts out fear, and if I have fear, that has been learned, then God's responsibility in my world is to remove the fears that I've learned, to remove the insecurities that I've learned. And the only way that God can do that is by causing you to fail, because success is not not failing, success is failing. It's failing a little bit at a time so that you can build up an immune system that you don't fear failing anymore. And that's why they do that with our kids. They give a little injection in their arm of what? A disease, a little amount of it. Why? Because it allows the body to build up an immune system to that disease. And God does the same thing with us. He exposes us. He allows opportunities to come along, which causes our fears to come to the surface, not because he wants to hurt us, but because he wants to deliver us. And the only way that he can do that is by allowing circumstances to happen. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. And the difference between scaredy cats and lion chasers is love. It's God's love that sets us free from a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God has not given us what? A spirit of fear but of love, power, and a sound mind. Now, we're going to get this scripture right. It says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. It actually really is saying this, but he's given us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of sound mind. And so what is he saying here? Is that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives and abides in you, that you have the authority, you carry a spirit of power on the inside of you. And not only that, but I'm gonna give you a spirit of love because I understand when the spirit of love comes upon you, perfect love casts out all fears. And then on top of that, not only am I gonna cast out your fears, not only am I gonna give you the authority over your fears, but then I'm gonna give you a sound mind. We're gonna make sure that that thinking that comes into your head, those anxieties, those worries, those concerns, those lies that the enemy keeps telling you, well, I'm gonna fix that as well. So I'm gonna put some power in you, I'm gonna remove the fears out of you, and I'm gonna change your thinking because the Bible says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so he's gonna change the way that you think as well so that you don't come back to the place because here's the thing. There's two ways to live. You can live below the line. I heard this this week 
or you can live above the line. Below the line is earth and above the line is the kingdom of God. And most of us live below the line and it's not a bad thing. We pray that God would help us. We pray that God will bring a solution to us and God will answer those prayers. He'll bring you a solution. But the way to live above the line is to pray that God would give you a revelation that not only gives you a solution, but changes your thinking so the next time that situation comes, you don't need a solution because he's given you a revelation of who you are. I have a spirit of power, spirit of love, and a spirit of sound mind. And then our prayers change from God, help me in this circumstance, to God, give me a revelation about what is happening so not only do I get a solution for the now, but I get a new way to live for my life. Come on. That's what he wants to do this morning. God is in the business of helping us to overcome our fears but he often does this by bringing us face to face with our worst fears. God graciously brings us to the place of failure and not only picks up the broken pieces, but he puts them back together again. That's why, you know what? A moment of failure is not a life of failure. I don't know about you, but I'm not the perfect parent. I know that's hard to believe. And sometimes I'm not the greatest dad on the face of the planet. But you know what? A moment of being a monster is not a lifetime of being a monster. You understanding what I'm saying? Losing it in a moment is not a lifestyle of losing it. I could make a mistake right now on my message, but it doesn't define the message. It's a moment within the message. Your failures are a moment within a life. And not just the 80 years odd years that you'll live here on earth, but eternity. I remember Don McDonnell saying this to me once. He's a pastor on the North Shore. He goes, if something's worth doing, it's worth failing enough times to get it right. Come on, failure is not your foe. Failure is your friend. Because if you allow God to let you get immune from failure. He'll just let little things happen which causes you to step out more and more in faith and you'll learn from your failures way more than your successes. But what causes us to not want to fail, to not want to take a risk is fear. But I don't know about you, but when Peter was talking to Jesus, and they were on the lake, and Jesus said, come, Peter had a choice. Peter could listen to the fears of the disciples because of the wind and the waves, or he could listen to the command of his creator. We all know that Peter did sink, yes? And I've heard people preach messages on how Peter failed. No, he didn't. He walked on water. He had a moment in his miracle where he doubted, but he still walked on water. Your moments of failure set you up for a lifetime of success if you get over the fear factor 
Because fear will cause you to pull back. Fear will cause you to restrict. Fear will call you to, to go back into the corner, to cower away from, because fear says that if you fail, that your life is over. That you're, but, but it's not. It's not. Do you know, I, I learned this this week and did a little bit of study. I, I like to think that I, I have a little bit of a, uh, I, I love to understand the psychology of things. And so when I started looking into the psychology of a lion's roar, um, I discovered that scientists have found that the auditory cortex of your brain, when it hears a lion roar, immediately sends a message to your body to run away as fast as you can to get out of there when it registers a lion's roar. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? And it's interesting that when you hear a lion's roar, that your, the scientists will tell you that the auditory cortex of your brain says, the only thing that you can do in this moment is to run. And it's funny that it's the fear that causes us to run. I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus, that God put this scripture in the Bible in 1 Peter 5a where it says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a what? Like a what? Looking for someone to devour. When we understand that psychology says that when we hear a lion's roar, our natural instinct is to run, it doesn't surprise me that the scripture describes the devil as like a roaring lion going around looking for whom he may devour. It doesn't surprise me that he's a roaring lion because he wants you to run away from the roar. The Bible says this, resist the devil, submit to God, and the devil will flee from you. He, he doesn't want you to resist he wants you to pull back. He wants you to shrink back in the face of the roar. What's, what's his roar in your world this morning? Is it your insecurities? Is it the fact that your parents divorced when you were younger? Is it the fact that your, your marriage has fallen apart? Is it the fact that you, you, you suffer with dyslexia and so therefore you don't believe that you can accomplish anything because because it roars at you every time you think about doing study, all you hear is dyslexia. Or every time you think about a relationship that you'd love to have, all you hear is the roar of your parents' divorce, their marriage failed, your marriage will fail. What, what is it that he's roaring at you consistently, which is causing you to run away immediately? What, what is it that is causing you to run away? Why is it that he constantly roars at us? You can't do this. That business Venture will fail. You'll never buy your own home. What are the roars that he's roaring at you? It says, you can't do this. Because you know what? Normal people run from the roar. But we're not called to be normal. We're called to be lion chasers. We're called to subdue the earth, to rule over it, and to prosper. We are called to go into all the world and make disciples. 
discipling nations, transforming cities, and changing our world. That is not someone who runs from the roar. It's someone who runs to the roar. Normal people will run, but godly people, Christians, people that are called by the Spirit of God, we don't run from the roar. We run to the roar. We go after it. We run after it. We go after it. Why? Because we don't seek safety. Lion chasers don't seek safety. What they do is they seek situations, listen to me, that scare them to life. Not to death, but to life. The scariest thing you can ever do is be in the will of God. Because the disciples were in the will of God when he sent them into a storm. And he didn't send them into the storm to kill them. He sent them into the storm to dominate it. And if they'd never gone into the storm, Peter never would have walked on water. Come on. Come on. I, I want to challenge you this morning. Don't run away. You go after situations that will scare the life into you. The life of the living God on the inside of you. That you're created to live. You are not created to be scared. You're created to chase life. You're created to go after those things. There's always an element of crazy in God's plans. But you know what? Here's the thing. Lion chasers are more afraid of missing their opportunities than making mistakes. I'm more afraid of missing the opportunities that God puts in my world than I am of making mistakes. If I was more afraid of making mistakes, I never would have set my license. Come on. You conquer your fear of things all the time when it suits you. There's always an element of crazy in God's plans and purposes. And Ben and I chased a lion. I mean, that's just crazy. Could you imagine seeing it? Could you imagine being on an African safari and you're sitting in your Jeep all protected and then a lion goes past and some guy is chasing it? That would go viral on YouTube. It's not normal. Now, I'm not saying to be dumb crazy, all right? Peter walked on water because Jesus said, come. You know, I, I believe in this. I believe that when God calls you to do something, that you should do your homework. You should look into it. You should, you should make sure that you, you have really done your homework. But don't let the status quo or don't let the homework stop you from stepping out on what God's called you to do. All the homework does, it prepares you for what you know you're about to encounter. It prepares you for the roar you're about to face. So when the roar comes, you're not frightened by it, you're not surprised by it, you're not freaked out by it because you knew it was coming. Sometimes we have to make a decision that flies in the face of facts and spits in the face of the status quo and says, you know what, I don't care. I don't care what the facts say. I don't care what the status quo says. I'm chasing that line. I'm chasing it. David had a crazy moment when he killed Goliath. But then this crazy thing happened a little bit later when Saul was chasing him. David had to go to Goliath's dad who was the king, Akish of Gath, and asked for safety. Could you imagine? 
You've killed this guy's son, and now you've got to go to him and ask him for safety? And it says in 1 Samuel 21, 10 to 13, it says, So David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. But the officers of Achish were unhappy about him being here. Isn't this David the king of the land? And they asked, Isn't he the one the people honor with dances, singing, Saul has killed his thousands, and David his tens thousands? David heard these comments and was very afraid of what King Akash of Gath might do to him. You can understand that, yeah? So what did he do? He pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his bed. bed. This is King David, killer of Goliath, the rightful king of Israel. Had to get a little bit crazy. Had to get a little bit outside of his personality. I say this to Trinity sometimes when we can't find a park. I say to her, if I park in the handicapped car park and race inside, can you sit here and lick the window? I, I shouldn't have said that. That's offensive. I'm sorry. But David acted crazy for his own safety. He had to get outside of his personality, he had to get outside of his comfort zone. Could you imagine, here are these men that have followed him all this time, and they put him on a pedestal, and they consider him the king of Israel, and David's acting like a crazy man, an insane man, drooling down his bed, scratch bed scratching on the doorpost and that. Why? For his own, he, it's just crazy. Sometimes what God causes you to do, or asks you to do, people look at you and they go, you're what is wrong with you? You just got to get a little crazy sometimes. David and Ben and I live with this thought consistently. If God was in it, they're into it. If God's in this, I'm in. No matter how crazy it seemed. If God's into chasing lions into a pit on a snowy day and killing them, I'm in. The Bible says this, that Jesus goes throughout the world looking whom he may use on his behalf or show himself strong on his behalf. He said, I looked and I, I looked for someone to stand in the gap so I wouldn't have to punish the people, but I could find no one. He's looking for some lion chasers, some people that are willing to stand up and go, you know what, this is crazy, but if you're in it, I'm in. If you're in it, I'm in. And the crazy ideas turned into crazy awesome. Turn into crazy awesome. And at some point, friend, you have to face your fear. And when you do, I want you to hear this this morning. If you hear nothing else, when you face your fears, I want you to know this, that fear is a coward in the face of courage. Fear is a coward in the face of courage. Every time in your life, if you look at the moments that you've had courage and overcome your fears, fear has become a coward every single time. Fear tries to make you the coward. Courage makes fear the coward. Because faith isn't the absence of fear. Faith is acknowledging the fear and doing it anyway. And you know what? You do it once, you don't have fear the second time. I can remember the first time ever I had to pray for someone who had a massive growth on their neck in Serbia in the Gypsy Church, a big cancerous growth on their neck, and I got asked to pray for them, and I'm trying to act like I'm the, 
you know, Westerner white guy with all the, you know, but I'm praying all the right stuff, but inside, I'm like, if this doesn't work, I'm leaving the building. And so I must have prayed a whole heap longer than I normally would have prayed, and I kept my eyes closed so I didn't have to look. Because otherwise I'd have been looking the whole time, seeing if it was disappearing. I was fearful, but I had no option but to pray. Because when someone comes up to you with that, and they say, can you please pray for healing? You can't turn around and go, um, no, I'm too scared. So I'm praying, and I'm, I have no faith in me whatsoever. I'm like, this is just not going to happen. This is not going to happen. I open my eyes, and the growth is completely gone. And the woman just says, thank you. And I'm like, no worries. You know, like this happens every day in my world. But on the inside, on the inside, I was just like, bring me the blind. Bring me the deaf. Bring me the dead. Bring it on. Why? Because courage always reduces fear to a coward. You know, I don't know about you, but I spent most of my life with this philosophy, and most of us have this philosophy. And did athletics as a kid, and was always. Ready, set, go. I think so many of us live our lives with a ready, set, go mentality. When I'm ready, when I'm set, then I'll go. But when I'm ready, when I'm set, then, then I'll go. The problem is this, is that if you wait until you're ready, You'll be waiting until you die. Because God doesn't call the prepared. He prepares the called. And it's not about readiness. It's actually about willingness. Because in Jesus' kingdom, it's go, set, ready. That's why I said go into all the world. Paul the apostle met Jesus on the road to Damascus, had a weekend, weekend Bible college with the apostles and then was sent out to the Gentiles. It wasn't, let's just get him ready and set because he's been murdering us. He's been murdering Christians. So let's just, let's just do a debrief with him and uh, maybe send him around a couple of, couple of courses, get him sorted out and uh, you know, let, let's get him serving on the door and we'll see how that goes for a couple of years. Get the culture and the DNA of the place in them, and uh, then we'll send them out. No, it's not how God works. God says, I walk throughout the world looking for whom I may show myself strong on their behalf. You don't need to be ready. You just need to go, and God will ready you. Come on, friend. You will never have the faith to beat your fears, but if you would go, faith will rise. Courage will conquer your fears. But if you're waiting for courage to come, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. Matthew 16 verse 18 says this, and I want to finish on this this morning. It says, I will build my church. This is Jesus talking. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Faithfulness is not holding down the fort, friend, until Jesus comes. Faithfulness is taking back enemy territory and shining light in dark places. That's faithfulness. Gates are there to protect. Gates do not attack. I know that there's been TV programs called Neighbours That Attack, but there's never been one that says Gates That Attack. You've never walked past a gate and it's jumped up and attacked you. Gates are to be attacked. At the end of our lives, the greatest regrets won't be the mistakes we made, it'll be the opportunities that we left on the table. It won't be the mistakes you've made, it'll be the regrets. If I, if I found some people, if I, I guarantee you that if I interviewed Basil Witten this morning and said to him, what are your biggest regrets? I guarantee you it'll be the opportunities that he didn't take, not the mistakes that he made. In fact, psychologists have found in studies that the short term, in the short term, we tend to regret our actions over our inaction. So in, in our short-term thinking, we tend to, tend to regret taking action more than not taking action. And it's by 53% to 47%. So it's not a big margin. But in the short-term schemes, in a short period of time, we tend to regret the actions we take, not the inactions. But here's the thing. What they found is in the long term, in the long term, that inaction regrets... They're not taking action, regrets, outnumber action regrets by 84% to 16%. Which says to me that just about every single person that's lived life a long time has more regrets about not doing some of the things that they wanted to do than the mistakes that they made. The greatest regret at the end of your life will be the lions you didn't chase the ones that you allowed the roar to cause you to run away. And I believe in this place this morning, for some of you, it's time to run to the roar. You've been running away from it for so long, but it's time to run to it. You know, we have a, a course coming up here at church starting on the 11th of June on Sunday nights called Freedom Over Moods where we're going to look at things like anxiety and fear and how do we conquer those? Because the Bible says this, that the Spirit of the Lord has come to set us free. 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 That means every fear you have that's not falling down or loud noises is a fear that needs to be lifted off your life. And I want to encourage you to sign. It's five weeks. I want to encourage you to sign up for it because we need to become lion chasers. We need to run to the roar. We need to run to the roar. I don't know what's roaring at you today, but I can guarantee every single person in this place, including myself, have certain things where the enemy is roaring at us. It may be your marriage where he's roaring the most. Maybe your unsaved kids. It may be your career. It may be your finances. Remember, shared earlier this morning, the enemy roaring at him saying, you can't get a mortgage if you put God's house first. 
But Rimmer's roaring back by saying, I understand that his word promises that if I look after his house, he'll look after my house. And he'll rebuke the devourer on my behalf. And all the nations will call me blessed. Because when God is first, everything else comes second. And I don't know what's roaring at you this morning, but I just think there's some people in this place that need to roar back this morning. In Psalms it says this, Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. It's a shout of praise that needs to respond to the roar of the lion. And it's time to run to the lion. It's time for you to start to run to it with the praises of God on your lips. And we have to say to him, you know what? I don't care how loud you roar. I know that if I praise him, if my roar comes, the roar of praise comes on the inside, that roar comes. The one where I'm like shouting about him being my saviour and my deliverer and Jehovah Jireh and my healer. And those roars, those praises, when they come out in the midst of a situation where you're roaring at me, then what happens is God comes and builds his house in the middle of your roar and then your roar ceases and the presence of God begins because we need his presence and his presence doesn't come to the roar unless we take it and this morning we're going to run to the roar some people in this place you're going to run to the roar this morning when you stand to your feet every single person across this place